Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. All right, everyone, we're back for another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, how are you doing this afternoon? Not too bad. How are you, Justin? I'm doing excellent. Matt, we often drill with a lot of oil-based muds, but I don't think it's very common that we drill with 100% oil-based mud. Most folks are common with, or most most folks are aware that there's an oil-water ratio, right? And so, you know, depending on your mud weight, a lot of times that oil-water ratio will go up. If you, you know, sometimes the lighter goes down. In Canada, we run 90-10 most of the time because it's freezing, and so that helps. Um, but I don't know if many folks are familiar with an all-oil-based mud. So why don't we touch on that? Sure. Well, I think it's interesting because most all oil systems, well, you kind of sometimes, it, if you hear about these thrown out and say, oh, we're going to run an all oil system, they do actually have an oil water ratio in many cases. Okay. Um, it might be a 96.4 or a 98.2, but um, gotcha. it's fairly difficult to keep a 100 0 oil water ratio when you drill through a water wet formation that likely has water in it. Hmm. Um, because you've got to do something with all this water-wet stuff. Right. Um, however, uh, there is periodically the conversation of, well, let's run an all-oil system. So I, thought it would, I think it's a good idea to kind of break that down and discuss, even if my 98.2 mud is what we're drilling with, why I'd want to do it and, and those kinds of things. Right. So I, right away, the question I have is, is when when it's being built though it's it's 100% oil like you don't purposely have water in there for any particular reason for any like viscosity or any bit of like right. body or anything it's, it is all oil built and then you may take on a little bit of water from the formation yeah okay so the big question is why what's the purpose of these things so sometimes it's to get the mud as light as possible mm-hmm. and then in that case i may actually put a little bit of water because to get the mud some body and and that sort of thing um one of the other applications is is coring um, and think about a really expensive coring operation where what you're trying to do is alter the core as minimally as possible. And so you don't want any emulsions or anything present. You're really just trying your best to cut and circulate and get this core out. So hole cleaning is not a big challenge. You have really tiny annuli. Mm. Um, and so th- those are kind of some of the most common. And, and in fact, you know, way back in the day, they would just drill with crude oil and the reason that it would we'd go at it from that direction was um the assumption was well if oil's coming out of the well um if i drill with oil i can't damage the formation uh fun fact that's not true Um, okay why is that uh, a lot of it is if you think about crude oil in situ in the reservoir is one thing but as it starts to flow up it lets off gases it separates into different phases um uh, you can have some waxes and some other things come out. Um, and so if you keep recirculating this stuff in the, you know, the light hydrocarbons float off, the heavy stuff sticks around. Um, and it may not actually, it, you know, it may actually impair production. It may block the, for, the pore spaces. Okay. Um, so there, that, that's one reason. Um, another fun fact about circulating crude oil or hundred percent crude oil is, 
Um, you really shouldn't be smoking anywhere near the pits. Um, <laughs> That's a pretty common HSC, uh, uh, something to be mindful of. Cause I think nowadays you're not supposed to smoke anywhere near the Yes, well, that, that's true, but you really don't want to. You know, <laughs> if you talk about flashpoints and and that sort of thing, um, you know, crude oil we know is, is very flammable, right? In many cases, uh, some of the oils we use now maybe not as much, um, but it, it's a real thing. Where if you think about it, when I had an invert, I have um, I have that water phase. I have some other things that actually suppress the flashpoint. Gotcha. Uh, Hundred percent crude oil, not nearly so much. So for all the kids out there with your fancy phones, make sure they're intrinsically safe. Because if not, super danger. Yeah, don't vape near the pits. <laughs> that that is funny. Um, so you talk about you know obviously for density reasons. What's I mean? What's the lowest you could go, or what, how low can you potentially go with an all oil system? So I mean, think about the weight of your base oil and add a couple of points. That's okay. the way I would look at it, right? So if you're using a, a synthetic light mineral oil or, or a synthetic or a light mineral oil or something along those lines, you know, you could get six, eight, maybe seven wow. uh, pounds per gallon. It, it, remember, though, that as soon as you incorporate any drilled solids, you know, the mass balance is going to start working very much against you. And, I mean, when you get into the composition, you add very high concentrations of additives. Oh, I'm sure. Cause yeah. that, and that's one of the drawbacks, too. Or not draw... Well, potential drawbacks or, or, some, or things that consider when you're running in high oil-water ratio, the amount of clay and different products that you have to add to realize products that you're looking for often takes quite a bit more. And so that's why sometimes a lot of folks will run a, a lower OWR just to, you know, if the formation can tolerate it to, to help with the with the effects of adding clays because they a lot of times react to water right right oh absolutely so uh you know th- think about it on a uh on a coring application or or something like that where they say look we want our 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 fluid loss below one um you know because we don't want any filtrate invasion we want to be able to analyze this core material and mm. actually see what's in situ there yeah um so I don't have those little emulsion emulsion droplets to help with like bridging and sealing. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's not uncommon on, you know, organo clay. Sometimes you could be running 15, 20, 30 pounds per barrel of clay. Wow. Um, and it just doesn't want to yield it. So normally you have to add something else to get it to activate because um, there's no brine there to help it yield. Um, and a lot of viscosity comp- contribution can be from your filtration control additive, which I've seen concentrations, at least in coring fluids, up to about 30 pounds per barrel. Um, and if you don't want to have any, so sometimes they'll use like fluorescence on coring where they actually want to see, you know, if there's any hydrocarbon shows, uh, which means you can't use your traditional black powders because they are hydrocarbon showing. Right. So you got to use a synthetic, which will give you some viscosity, but think about how expensive some of those products can be. So you're using them at extremely high concentrations. You're trying to tighten up that fluid loss. Mm. Um, so it's fairly, we got a lot going on here as far as very high concentrations of additives. Um, and this is where you get into, okay, so when do I really want to use this? And a lot of it, a, a pure 100% oil system, a lot of it's going to be driven by coring. Okay. Those like 98, 96.4, 98.2, a lot of that stuff will be the really low density drilling applications 
And like we've talked about with, you know, the freshwater direct emulsions and that sort of thing, you get in these brown fields where they're trying to do things at really low cost. And the sheer cost of the base oil is a big drawback. No kidding. Especially, I mean, think if you're worried, you know, think about the base oil. You want something that has a very high flash point. So it's not going to be diesel. It's going to be one of these more refined products. Might be a synthetic. Mm. And you have nearly 100% oil. Um. We're talking some money here, right? Yeah, no kidding. So you, you mentioned uh, having a high concentration of viscosifiers and food loss control agents. So do you find, uh, are there oftentimes liquid additives that are used instead of clay, like say a, like a like a polymeric type viscosifier? Is that common? It's, I mean, it's not. I think one of the challenges, you know, kind of like when we talked about sort of those clay-free muds is... Uh, what you encounter is a lot of those things need need solids to act on. Wow. Um, okay. And so you don't really have, unless you add a bunch of organo clay to begin with, you don't really have much for those to act on. Um, and so I, I just, I really haven't seen it. And okay. I certainly back in the day looked at all kinds of gelants and other things, hoping that we could get some, some low end rheology out of it. And, and it would give you, High end rheology, it just wouldn't give you that six and three reading that you were worried about for whole cleaning. Of course, no, so, extremely important. Um, so, being that it's all oil, I mean, is there much use for a wetting agent or even an emulsifier? So, a wetting agent, yes, and the reason is because I have when we talk about wettability, when we talk about oil based mud, right? I need those cuttings to disperse in my mud, mm-hmm. which means they need to be oil wet because I'm oil continuous. And so, what what happens is um, I need to continually add some wetting agent. It, it may be in lower concentrations, um, but I ultimately need to add some wetting agent to uh, um, oil wet um, oil wet the rock that I'm drilling out. Gotcha. Um, and if I add any water wet products, I need that to make sure I can maintain a dispersion. So sometimes in a coring application, I keep going back to this, you might use as low a concentration as possible because a wetting agent will create an emulsion as well, mm. or in, partially it will. Um, and then on the emulsifier side, when we have those 96, four, what have you, the, there's a chance that you could get by on just wetting agent because it may have some emulsifying component. Um, but you, you may, uh, upfront add a little bit. It's just not going to be the crazy high concentrations, not crazy high, but the typical things you would see when you're running regular oil-based mud. Makes sense. So, uh, with regards to chlorides, obviously, if you're running mostly oil, the only chlorides you're picking up are from the formation. Um, do you check for it? I mean, or is that even something that's is is that worth? Is that a topic of discussion when you're talking about all oils? Like, do you program it for a certain amount or not? Really, I would imagine. You know, we I'm trying like we haven't. I, I you you wouldn't target it, right? Because there's really you're not really focused on the internal phase. It's a very, very small component of the mud. Yeah. Um, hopefully you're not having some osmotic exchange and and you you should be having so little with that few droplets. It doesn't make a difference. But, um, uh, as far as, you know, seeing chlorides or, or noticing I'm picking up some water, it's probably worth, um, measuring. I'm trying to think how much mud volume you actually, you'd actually need to, you know, (laughs) you catch a mud cups worth and how much, uh, solution do i need to break that stuff out and actually get a you know sufficient volume to titrate yeah to see an endpoint you you have to do some math there no kidding yeah. yeah no i can see that obviously there's not much water there you're going to be needing a lot of volume just to squeeze out a few droplets 
Um, uh, so inhibitive wise, if, is an all oil system basically just as inhibitive as oil based mud or less because you don't have any of that inhibition, that brine in there? It, so it's oil continuous. The formation is just seeing the oil should be perfectly so inhibitive. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's, you don't give it, you don't give the formation any water, so it can't really react. Makes sense. Uh, any other issues or things to consider with an all oil? I mean, fluid system? the big thing is that they're just so darn expensive. Um, you're not going to come across them all the time. Periodically, there's interest in them because we really want low, low densities. Um, and it's as low as you can go until you start, you know, cutting something with gas, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and even when you cut something with gas, you end up with, well, what happens when I have to make a connection or a trip, uh, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, the, the cost has been something, I, I mean, I'm actually, a I think, I, I don't know, I don't know if it's still maintained, but. There's a patent that had, with my name on it, or an archive of a patent, <laughs> where we came up with an interesting way to try and recycle the, the base oil, um, where you could, you could break the viscosity, get the oil back, and use it in oil-based mud. Hmm. Um, and we thought that was going to be kind of a game changer, um, but uh, I haven't heard from anybody how brilliant I was when we came <laughs> up with that idea. So um, oh, that's funny. it seemed like a cool idea at the time. Right. Um, but uh, that was that was actually an all oil system that we drilled with up in Alaska, and it was just super super uh, low TVD. It was in it was in the middle of nowhere, but like not up on the slope. It was like in the middle of nowhere, nowhere in Alaska. Wow! And uh, so it was very very shallow TVD, and it was uh, um, all permafrost. So the reservoir was in the permafrost, and so they were afraid of thermal conductivity of a conventional mud actually melting the formation. No way. Um, and so oil has a very low thermal conductivity. And so that was part of the idea um, among the really, really light density that we needed to um, uh, um, drill such a shallow section. Interesting. Um, wow, that's, that's but, certainly something you don't see in the unconventional world. No. And I mean, those are the sort of like, you know, we talk about some of these mud systems and people are like, Oh, why don't they use it as often? Or, Oh, that seems like a clear solution. And there's always that one, like a lot of it's economics, but there's always that one thing where like, if I could, if I could fix that, I'd probably see this used a lot more. Sure. And people have been trying for years and years and, you know, always struggled at least, you know, with an expensive coring fluid, you could, you could use that as, as like a, a slurry that you could bleed into regular oil-based mud. Yeah. Um, but some of these other things, you know, you might be able to reuse them, but when they get dirty and you have to dilute again or what have you, they're just, they're very, very expensive, not only for the initial mix, but to maintain and keep that mud weight down. Um, and so it, it's one of those, once again, another tool in the toolbox, I think it's worth listeners knowing, because I think we've, we've talked a lot about the very common conventional systems, yeah. although I think we probably have more to discuss. <laughs> but this is one that came up in conversation a while ago, and I, I thought, well, maybe maybe it would be good that we we talk about it a little, Perfect. Um, in case anybody has any questions. But for the most part, if you're drilling with one of these, it's going to have a little water in it. You may not mix it that way, but you'll get some. Mm -hmm. um, and it does even a little bit of water, a 95.5 or what have you, really helps with properties. Yeah, um, oh, I can see that. It helps considerably to lower the cost of additives, at least. Um, but, uh, who knows? Let me know if you've drilled with one and let me know if you kept drilling with it. That would be my follow-up question. 
Perfect. Well, uh, you you heard it here. If you have any uh, if you have any experience with it or any stories or even have heard of it, please let us know. That's uh, we love hearing from our listeners. So again, if you'd like to support the show, please review and leave us a five star review. Share it with friends, family, and whoever you think might be interested in listening. Everyone out there, thanks again. Until next time. See you. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.